Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Evil Neuron. Chop, 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 chop you into pieces. Mm. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm I'm James, and uh, and I would be James's partner. Well, on the show, co-host, yeah, Michael and Chris. The way you talked about chopping up into pieces mm-hmm. reminds me of eating a nice big uh, dinner. I love dinner so much, Mike. I'm glad you brought it up. You know what? Sometimes I get an Indian dish like chicken vindaloo or something. Yes, and it already comes up with chopped up, chop, chop, chop pieces of chicken in the sauce. But but you can't just wolf them back. You need to do your own little chop chop chopping as well, right? You cut the pieces a little bit smaller. You can't wolf the whole piece down. Mm, good sometimes point. it's true. Eh, just a little warning out there in case you're eating too fast. Uh, you know, speaking of food, we're recording this on Canadian Thanksgiving Monday. We have it in, yeah. on Monday over here. And uh, Chris, I think you yeah. and I had our Thanksgiving dinners last night, mm-hmm. right? Dif- separate. Oh shit. Yeah. But uh, we had them last night. And Mike, after we record today. Is off to have his Thanksgiving dinner with Mama, with Mama and brothers, and <laughs> we're not having, we're not having turkey, cranberry sauce, pumpkin pie, and other Thanksgiving foods. We're having, guess what? Chinese food. And I, Michael nice. told me this on the way over with here. With also chopped, chopped, chopped up pieces of chicken. We're I'm sure extra chopped up pieces of chicken. Mm. Michael told me this on the way over here, and I was, yeah. I think I'd be upset not to have turkey on thanksgiving but mike didn't seem to care well james you're unlike me you are a traditionalist whereas i am always uh looking for new frontiers i'm always pushing (laughs) myself forward i'm looking for new experiences plus my mother said that the hassle of a turkey was just too much this year (laughs) (laughs) oh that's that's be honest were you kind of like, come on, mom, make a turkey? Or were you like, uh, what no, because Thanksgiving to me is absolutely, utterly meaningless. I don't. <laughs> I don't. My, <laughs> my parents have a nice? big traditional Thanksgiving too, but I don't like it either. But I, isn't I don't it like just Thanksgiving. nice to? I mean, I guess I like it because it's a day off, and then you yeah. have a nice big dinner with your family and drink a bunch of wine. Yeah, James, I'll eat turkey. And yeah. fucking Christmas and no other day of the year. Okay. Okay. Touche. I don't know why. You, uh, interesting. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't want to argue with you guys. No, no. It's I just okay. don't really get it as a holiday. Christmas, yeah. I get as a holiday you don't like more what? than Thanksgiving. What are you? I don't even know about? if I don't. Uh, I don't think I like Christmas. Okay. That I. Well, the I, thing is, is, is I'm afraid. Fr- it's not about the traditions or the or the what the actual holidays about. It's about leave me alone. I like being by myself. Mm-hmm. But. What about your wife and children? I like being with them, but I'm with them every day. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> but I love Christmas. I'm a Christmas fanatic. I love it. You know that about me, James. Yeah, right? but I'm always dressing up in Christmas clothing. That's because and- you're devoutly Catholic and <laughs> Thanksgiving isn't religious. It's not religious. <laughs> Thanksgiving. No, I love Christmas too, but I'm just saying if you're having if you're having a hard time or stuff sucks in your family, I think Christmas can be depressing. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Whereas, I mean, I suppose for the same reasons, Thanksgiving could be depressing too. Yeah. It just feels a bit less so to me. Christmas is depressing if you've got one of those uncles that never gets you a gift. Uh, <laughs> no, yes. uh, honestly, uh, being real, I'm I'm one of those guys that drags my feet to these things. But once I am at the big dinner table with everybody, big extended family, it is always kind of nice. Catch up, make mm-hmm. some jokes, have fun. I got to admit, I'm not that much of a... Sour sport, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, but 
it's like I do drag my feet to them. I'm like, oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm like, we're going to eat turkey. I'm going to drink wine. I'm going to like. Have, well, that's because fun. you're such a classic nice boy, <laughs> aren't you? Yeah, I am. <laughs> well, you're wearing your shirt uh, under your sweater there. Just open your sweater a bit. You're wearing a shirt that says, I heart <laughs> turkey and Thanksgiving. That's right. He Also, also James flashed us a little bit of his gut, which was kind of hot. <laughs> yeah. It's got some hair on it, ladies, gentlemen. That's right. Mm. I do. Well, interesting. What's your favorite Thanksgiving tradition or movie or song? <laughs> Uh boy, so many songs to choose from. We're having turkey for supper with all of the folks. <laughs> turkey, turkey, turkey. I made it out of meat. <laughs> <laughs> now, James, at the Thanksgiving family dinner table, do you wear mm. a shirt or do you go shirtless? I go shirtless, no underwear, but jeans. Really? <laughs> that seems like a... Interesting thing, especially when you're eating a big meal and you might be kind of, you know, your stomach blows yeah, up after. Yeah, I know. I don't care. Tight jeans and yeah. no shirt and no underwear. Well, not tight jeans. Okay. Loose big jeans. loose jeans like I'm a painter that just got off a ladder. <laughs> and no shirt, no underwear. No underwear. But that's Why the, I, the no underwear? So I wanted to ca- catch up from where we left it last week. Last week I said I don't shower. Yeah. yeah. And now I'm adding to that uh, scuzzbaggedness. I don't wear underwear or shower. Oh my God. Yeah. Just jeans. Can I ask though, since last week, <laughs> have you showered? <laughs> no. And I threw out, all, I donated all my underwear <laughs> to the fire department. Oh my God. <laughs> I just put all my underwear into a bushel and left it outside the door of the fire department wow on uh dufferin because yeah when i uh <laughs> when i go to thanksgiving dinner definitely i'll wear maybe nice jeans oh, okay. and uh underwear for sure oh okay and maybe a t-shirt and, and a do you get up. new underwear for thanksgiving like a uh, no, tradition no I, I just wear a clean pair that i own um, when the uh when the uh, settlers came over from from england <laughs> mm. to uh north america Thanksgiving tradition was uh, the indigenous people, the First Nations people that were here first, brought them uh, corn and uh, gourds, pumpkins, mm. turkeys, mm-hmm. uh, pumpkin pie, cranberry sauce, <laughs> <laughs> gravy, mashed potatoes, um, and underwear. Imagine a secret of history is that the... the <laughs> Did uh, you know that, though? No, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I, I flew right over your joke. No, it's okay, though. It's not a joke. And they brought the, the pilgrims underwear. Interesting. Yeah. They made the underwear out of the old Mayflower flags. And, oh, wow. But Chris, did you know that the, the English, the pilgrims, also brought gifts to the First Nations people? Did you know that? Yeah. They brought Beano comics, and they brought um, Lucaze. Milky bars. Milky bars. Yeah. The idea of football. Football and Mr. Bean VHS cassettes. <laughs> Spice Girls. Spice Girls. Yeah. yeah. Spice World. Oh, um, are we going back to uh, early 1700s now? I, I, yes. I think one of the biggest gifts that uh, the First Nations got from the English, as from the you English, say, yeah, from yeah. the English people, yeah. was uh, double-decker buses <laughs> <laughs> for the woods. <laughs> but back then it would have been, uh, I wonder if it would have been double-decker horses, sort of. Well, you um, raise an interesting point. I don't know how, I guess you'd have a horse, mm-hmm. regular horse body. And then maybe horse on top. a horse on top. Yeah. Double-decker bus, you definitely want to sit on the top. It's a better mm-hmm. seat, better view. Mm-hmm. Double-decker horse, <laughs> do not not sit on the top. All right. <laughs> if you're sitting on the back of the bottom horse and you look up just a bit. You're, you're- sucking that horse's dick. <laughs> 
<laughs> you're just sucking it. You're, That's all there is. There's to no it. way it was around a different it. Time. It was a different time. Absolutely. Yeah, no Which trials? Some say a better time, but yeah. you know, I won't go that far. Yeah. yeah, you're either sucking the horse's dick or getting shit on by the horse's ass. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that shit on again. Yeah, uh, that's what the settlers would say. <laughs> Lament, <laughs> shit on again, just before Thanksgiving. They also brought the. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, Chris, but the English pilgrims they also brought uh, old episodes of the Benny Hill Show. Oh, that's so. Mm, Benny that? Hill Show is so interesting because he's literally. <laughs> He's literally drooling like a like a salivating dog, you yeah. know, hungry dog, yeah. chasing beautiful babes in oh, bikinis—the most beautiful babes who ever lived. But he was a gay man, yes, ben- Benison Hilford. Yeah, <laughs> Benny Hill. Yeah, right. But we didn't know at the time at the time no. that Benny Hill was gay, right? I did. You so did. I could tell. So the gaydar, my gaydar would go off whenever <laughs> the TV would light up. But that that means that those. For years and years, decades and decades, when he was chasing yeah. these bikini women, that was utter torture for him. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> Fuck. Not again. <laughs> okay, I guess. Can, can I chase at least one man? <laughs> that was his voice. Let me chase him, man. <laughs> He was also in uh, the Italian job. Yes, as a real yeah. creepy, pervert, weird guy too. Really? Yep. It would. Uh, it would it, Benny Hill show would have been different in retrospect if to that song he was chasing men. <laughs> oh, and I'm saying he was a creepy, weird, pervert guy in regards to women, like how he yes. portrayed his character in Benny Hill yeah. show. Not, right in the Benny Hill show, not his actual real life sexual preference was I rem- creepy. I at remember all. Yeah. a Benny Hill show joke where, for real, where a large-breasted woman in a tight shirt oh, God. Nice. is is playing a reporter. Oh, what? And she has a button on her boob. Oh god. Oh, that says yeah. press. Of course. And right. then she and then Benny Hill presses looks it. at the button and goes, "Oh," and presses the button on her yeah. boob and Benny, then she chases him. Right. So, if you've never seen Benny Hill, that's the kind of stuff that happens now, in the show. That was like a 70s woman's lib style <laughs> sketch because she chases him. I guess. For I'm, being so dumb. I'm a member of... Chauvinistic. Uh, I'm a member of the... Of set, one of the... Uh, Benny Hill fan club pages on Facebook. The, the only times I check Facebook are for messages and to check in on what's going on in the Benny Hill Facebook page. <laughs> to get your news. It's where I get all my news. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, oh, there's uh, some bikini women out uh, doing exercise in the park today. I only uh, go on... Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the yeah, one sorry. thing I just wanted to say that someone will post a clip of a Benny Hill sketch where he's ch- touching a boob or chasing a butt. Mm-hmm. And all the comments are just people going, couldn't put this on TV today, could you? And people going, this is the days <laughs> when things were better for everybody. And you can't do it anymore. And... But imagine if they did put a show with no dialogue where a man just chased women on on show in 2022. Yeah. Hmm. It would be called Chris Locke's Dreams. (laughs) Hi, I'm Chris Locke. (laughs) Imagine it had the theme song from Taxi Driver like... (laughs) Um... The only reason I, I I don't check in Facebook often, but the only reason I check into Facebook these days is to find out where I can purchase a Christmas sweater that has gremlins on it. <laughs> oh God, I love that! It's so cool. I love gremlins, and it's a funny sweater. 
I, I don't want to steal uh, our friend Aaron's story. So, Aaron, yeah. I, I apologize if I am, but Aaron sometimes... Sir, put your hands up and drop the story. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't steal your friend's story, would you? <laughs> you wouldn't burn a CD. <laughs> Aaron has sometimes sends me, and possibly us... Um, Screenshots of uh, he follows a VH oh no a DVD rental store oh yeah on Facebook. people in Toronto yeah we got to keep it and the yeah. guy just does status updates like every day of like no one in the store yet again today and like just like wow guess my business sucks and like just every day I guess he, people prefer big streaming services yeah and, and he's or he's like you know hmm. oh he his best day ever was a. Uh, a few months ago when the internet went down in Canada. Yeah. And uh, he was like, you see, with streamers, you can't rely on them. Anyway, yeah. it does make you wonder, maybe maybe rather than just writing posts uh, every day about how mad you are that no one is renting DVDs from you, maybe this wasn't an amazing business to start. And it's just, yeah, it's I know. not even like... Talk about denial. It's like very... Uh, niche stuff like italian sci-fi or like right. spanish horror movies from the 60s or whatever it's right. not yeah yeah, yeah. italian sci-fi <laughs> i've seen some on tubi and you can see it all on tubi too that's the thing right. tubi is like this incredible stream free streaming service that has all the dregs of b movies and beyond like so yeah it's like that Mm. VHS store on a streaming service already. <laughs> That's free. Yeah. And you don't have to go anywhere. Yeah, it's literally free. It just, they put commercials in the movies a couple times during the movie. Damn. Yeah, this guy's stupid. So, um, <clears throat> we, we before we started recording, we were like, what should we talk about in the intro? Yes. And I came up with a great topic. Yes, you did. Chris, what you are moving from... Oh, oh yeah. We a king-sized bed mm-hmm. to a queen. Yeah, that's my topic. Well, it's nice. I mean, I already kind of came off as a pervert, or uh, like just now, <laughs> no. talking about Benny Hill no, and stuff. not at all. But king is... I Okay, so my wife and I had a double for a long time when we that's were a squeeze. starving artists. Yeah. Which was nice, though. It keeps you cozy. But mm. then... She worked on this show for a long time out in Halifax and the the Cambridge Suites where they put you up in Halifax as big uh, giant, you know, those suites there. They have the king beds. And so I was like, when we get money, I want a king Wait, bed. What, what's that? <laughs> it's just a dumb guy's voice. Okay. <laughs> Okay. And it was you in the past. It's so, me in the past. So up to before this point, I read three more books. Up to this point, you're you're you know you're broke or whatever. When we get money. <laughs> There's the voice again. It's a dumb guy. Uh, what? Okay, it's not of anything. I specific. believe you. No, because the me. ocean, the ocean air. It's it's my impression of yeah, yeah. makes you dumb. Of you as, yeah. du- as dumb guy. So up to this point, it's me as a guy on the east coast. <laughs> <laughs> up to this point, you and your and your yeah. probably girlfriend so at that time, you're just squeezed yeah. into she a tiny a twin, and then all of a sudden you're in a hotel and you're in a king, and you're going, "This is the life." Yeah, <laughs> like whenever I do an impression of me having a simple, dumb yeah. thought, right? I talk like that. So just to get it straight in my head, you were out on the East Coast in yeah. this big bed, and you woke up one morning and you were like, "We gotta get like this." <laughs> <laughs> We gotta get a bed this big, <laughs> yeah. Because if you're because you were on the East Coast, there's that too, yeah. yeah the yeah. maritime uh, salt 
uh, water air got into my brain. Yeah. Um, and I love the Maritimes, don't get me wrong, but, you know, it slows you down out there. It's yeah. a slower-paced life. Yeah. Yep. Yes. So... We did get a king bed once we got this condo, which had a big master bedroom, luckily. So we finally moved into a house, and the master bedroom is smaller. So we downsized now, and our back, we downsized to a queen bed. And I gotta say, it's better, it's better to be cozy. Better, queen, queen is better yeah, than Yeah, you're not king. like sleeping together, but also living in two countries at the same time. I feel that queen is better than king in all respects. I miss yeah. Her Majesty <laughs> Queen Elizabeth II yeah. so much. I don't care for uh, Charles at all. Exactly. You'll come around. The way we down, like downgraded our bed is the opposite of what the royal family just did. You know what, Chris? I'm going to agree with you because... Yeah. Um, well, I've you slept- like being cozy with your girlfriend. Yeah. You have a single, I, I, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have so a we- cot. <laughs> We have uh, no. I've slept in, in many a king bed with her, and <clears throat> I prefer the queen. It it's counterintuitive. Yeah. You think the more space, the better, yeah. but it's you're dead right. You'll be asleep, and you'll be like, "Where the hell is the other person? Honey, yeah. What honey, the hell is she honey? up to? Oh, she's where over there. are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, in between you two is like the wind just going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but now now there's no wind. Yeah, but, uh, or your bodies are closer, so it's more like a. <laughs> Yeah, the wind. Yeah, the wind kind of makes a fart. <laughs> I really love that we're talking a lot about showers, underwears, and beds on the last couple episodes. Yeah, it's really getting yeah. intimate. Yes, for yes. Our, for our hardcore listeners and for our new listeners, it's uh, they're like, "Wow, this is really mm. confessional and intimate." And I don't mind it, honestly. So picture me in this new queen bed. Unshowered for days, no underwear, okay. being as snug as a bug. White sheets. White sheets. <laughs> yeah. White sheets, brown thoughts. <laughs> wow. It's a nice you, image. Chris, flat out, do yeah. you sleep naked? I fucking do. Really? Really? Yeah. Unless it gets cold, I'll put like a t-shirt and a, boxers on. What if I have You're like, oh, it's so cold. You put on a thin t-shirt and some boxer briefs. Oh, that's much better. What if much a what? Warmer. What if a what? Heaven forbid. Mm-hmm. A burglar bus A burglar in? rushes in, breaks the window, and then you got to rush, like jump up to protect your family yeah. and with your penis flapping around. Or yeah, Chris. but you think that hasn't happened already? It did happen. And I ran oh. downstairs butt naked with, as you say, my penis flapping around. This way in that. And guess what happened? The what? burglar dropped everything they were stealing yeah. and sucked my dick. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You never Hello, told police. us about this. Police, get here quick. There's a burglar sucking my dick right now. <laughs> Don't worry, he's sucking my dick. <laughs> How is he? Well, he's actually better than I thought. Uh, I don't give a sh- sh- shit about that stuff. It could be a cow. I don't give a fuck. I just get over here and get this guy off me. <laughs> actually, take your time. Uh... <laughs> wow. Wow, Chris, that's crazy. You yeah. never told us yeah. that. So there you go. There's benefits to... Being uh, nude, running down the stairs, wow. confronting a burglar who's trying to steal candlesticks. Well, he's probably so caught up in a, in a gre- in adrenaline. Like he's probably like the adrenaline of breaking into someone's home and stealing stuff. It probably amps you up so much that I guess if yeah. you did see a waving penis coming at you, you might. God knows what you might do. Well, James, there's you've heard of. He the- had a fist of all my wife's beautiful necklaces, pearl, right. gold, oh, my and then did he wrap them around your dick? No, he put them on over his neck <laughs> and then started going down. <laughs> so it was kind of like your wife was doing it. I guess that's the thing. Like yeah. I kind of just like closed my eyes and held the necklaces. <laughs> 
my god. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's unbelievable. Can you get arrested for podcasting? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. But uh, if Trudeau yeah. Uh, yeah. passes that bill he's trying to put through. What is it? Fucking Trudeau. Fucking uh, Trudeau, you know. eh? Uh, here's the thing. I want to say something before we go into the other thing. Yeah. A message uh, from Chris. Yeah. Whenever you're ready, I think we've definitely done enough intro. So whatever, whenever you're ready. So... Luckily in Canada, my Crave comedy special, Captain Bones, came out recently, but you can only see it in Canada, and you can only see it uh, if you subscribe to Crave. So it's a bit of a bittersweet thing. All the feedback is really positive and great, so I'm really happy about that, and thank you very much. It's really sweet. But I also got this, like, keep it on the DL, just to the Evil Men listeners, but I got this, like, Vimeo link with a password and so I'm kind of stressed about it being so limited. So I went on Twitter and Instagram and sent out messages basically saying like, hey, if you're in the US or UK or whatever and you want to see this, let me know. And I'm still doing it. I'm still sending out the link to so many people. So many people have contacted me for the last few days. And so I've been kind of weirdly, not really, but bootlegging my own special for everybody <laughs> outside of Canada to, to see it. And uh, at least half of the people that contact me say, you know, they they love evil men. Hey! And so it's a lot of evil hmm. men listeners nice. um, reaching out to see the special that don't live in Canada. And a lot of people that have heard us on, like, Stop Podcasting Yourself mm -hmm. and Blocked Party. So the podcast community of listeners mm -hmm. of good comedy podcasts are really cool. Nice. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, proactive in like finding more good comedy stuff. I'm yes, I'm calling my special good, but yeah, thank you very much. It's really sweet, heartening, and uh, I appreciate it. Can I sing a song based on what you just said? Yeah, Vimeo killed the Cravio star. Yes, wow, is that okay? Yes, uh, very good. And if you're in Australia, I want to go to the Melbourne Comedy Festival, so snatch that Vimeo link. And if you have any clout with the bookers, show them that. Okay. And anywhere else, UK, whatever. I want to go. Okay. Beep, beep. <laughs> uh, guys, before we get to our evil man this week, we have a Patreon account. Chris, you ever check that out? No. Well, you guys should. It is at patreon.com slash evil men. And if you sign up... You get uh, two bonus episodes a month. You get access to our Discord, where uh, Chris and I are chatting with everybody. Mike does not, um, so far, has not been super active in there, but that's I okay. My, I lost my password, and uh -huh. I, me and my team are, are <laughs> yeah, well right. into the process of retrieving it, and I'm I'm working on writing a new password, <laughs> and as soon as I finish writing my new password, I'll be in there. Well, yeah. you have a team too, eh, Mike? I have a team. I don't have a team. Yeah, I remember yeah. somebody asked me to do a show once, and me and my team confer conferred, and they said, go for it. Oh, and cool. I did the wow. show. It was sick. Well, anyway, patreon.com slash evil men, small amount of money a month, at bonus episodes. They're really fun. Yes. Um, we had a great one with Evany Rosen up there. We're going to have another one, uh, I'm sure, I guess in about a week. Check it out. It's excellent. The other thing I wanted to mention before we get to our guy is... Um, we record uh, in the warehouse for a company called Present Day Gifts. And you can check them out online at presentdaygifts.ca. And uh, if you look these guys up, they got a 
like I think a five out of five uh, Google rating. Wow, Google they've review. got quite the portfolio. And it's a gift basket company. Check out the website. They have wonderful gift baskets. I know my sister is ordering one uh, today. Yes. So how about that? And um, I believe... Now, if this is wrong, I'm sorry. But I believe if you use the code EVILMEN, you get 10% off. Yeah, right. I think it's that. And so check it out. You should get them. Because these are beautiful gift baskets. And I can say, yeah. I used to try... I tried to... As you guys know, I tried to start my own gift basket business a few years ago. And I was in <laughs> over my head. Yeah. And I just didn't have uh, the right head for it. I, was, I had these tuna baskets... Where I would I I did these only in the summer during a heat wave and it was like send me twenty bucks I'll send you uh, you know a bunch of tuna so I would open a can of tuna and dump it into a gift basket put some flowers <laughs> on it mm-hmm. some chocolates and stuff hmm. don't you know they would go bad almost instantly uh, lots yeah. of mayonnaise in there because of the heat right you know? maybe so you like, should have kept them in the in the can. Well, now I know that. Yeah, but at the time, it's hard when you're starting up a yeah, startup. My tuna mm. gift basket business just—it didn't even last a summer. It was so poorly run. Mm. Whereas present day gifts, expertly run, beautiful baskets. I used to think that you could put chocolate in with tuna, and it would make the tuna last longer. Like when you <laughs> well, put yeah. a piece of bread in a bag of brown sugar. Of course. <laughs> okay. It wouldn't make it clump. But no, no. Eh? Both the chocolate and tuna just go bad. They're not a good. Combo. Combo. Mm-hmm. You blew it. Well, anyway, present day gifts. Did they not don't blow do that. It. Present day and gifts has never also, done anything like that. Yeah. When I just ah, maybe I shouldn't bring it up, but a man mm. did spend a long time in the hospital after, unfortunately, eating one of my tuna gift yeah. baskets, uh, and he's now he's never really been the same. Well, mm. can't walk. Can't think. Can't <laughs> <laughs> Michael. Um, what? Well, this week you were assigned with a task, and that task was to pick this week's evil man. And we're all wondering, who did you pick? Well, it's true what you say, James. I was assigned a task, and I take these things very seriously. So mm-hmm. I've been working my little buns off uh, <laughs> on my Mac, uh, making notes and coming up with uh, a nice Google document. Mac, another company that we could advertise if they sent us Makeup. some money. No, no, Mac computers. Apple. Mac computers, sorry, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah I just yeah. said it. Oh, my yeah. God, I'm so yeah. stupid. Um, <laughs> I coughed into the mic. Chris, I put the mic close to my mouth. I the, the microphone was away from Chris's mouth, and he reached it up to his mouth, coughed, and then put it down. Uh, <laughs> this is a loose and fun episode. Far away from the mic. No, I don't know how to do this. Sorry, Mike. Guys. Mac computers, not Mac computers. makeup. Who did I pick? As this week's evil man subject? That's my question. Can I give a hint? Or do you want to do it? Well, I have a little thing yeah, prepared you, here. Yeah, you prepare better than I do. Some call him Moz. Others call him the Pope of Mope. Yet others call him the chubby contrarian vegetarian with troubling views on race. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'm talking about indie rock legend Morrissey. Okay. Oh, now we got three big Smiths fans here. Maybe possibly most likely ex-Smiths fans. Because of this guy. So this is a real great topic for us. I'll be yes. honest. Because I love the Smiths, I feel like I've sort of tried to block out him being a dink because I love the Smiths <laughs> and I don't really want to have to face that he's this was gonna maybe be, sucks now. Yeah, I know. This was going to be my hint. William, <laughs> William. Yeah. Can you guys do it? I was like trying to. I was trying to do it. 
That's the best part, though. It's like, William, William Wallace. Yeah. Like at the end of it? Yeah, oh, I know exactly what you that's mean. That's sick. Moz, how could you do it to us? How old is Morsi? I think he's uh, born 59, so he's what? He's 62? He's younger than my parents. Younger, if you're younger they could hang than, out. Yeah. yeah. Your mom and Morrissey. If you're younger than Chris's parents, you might be Morrissey. <laughs> you might be a lot of other people too, <laughs> but Morrissey's one of them. <laughs> should, I, should I get going yes, on Stephen Yes, sorry for Patrick? all the... Because we've uh, we've got much to discuss. Here. Do that part of William. It was really nothing though at the end because well, you're a really good singer. Uh, no, it was bad. We're gonna do so many more. Yeah, I know. I'm holding back here. because I know we're gonna do a lot. I know. I just wanted to start it with the hardest one, like one of the. That's his like Mariah Carey. <laughs> Like yeah. that? That's almost like his Mariah Carey-ish like, moment. Yeah. yeah. William, William. All right. So, Stephen Patrick Morrissey is an English singer, songwriter, memoirist, novelist, and blogger. <laughs> Damn. He came to prominence as the frontman and lyricist of Manchester indie rock legends The Smiths in the 1980s. Since then, he's pursued an occasionally successful solo career. His music is characterized by his baritone vo- voice and distinctive lyrics uh, with recurring themes of emotional isolation, sexual longing, and self-deprecating dark humor. He also has a problem with immigrants, Islam, and just about everyone on planet Earth. Damn. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's dive into his... One of the first uh, big... Uh Proponents of uh, vegetarianism too, right? Meat is murder. Meat is murder. After one of their McCartney, albums. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, Morrissey was born uh, in on May twenty second, nineteen fifty nine, in Davy Hume, Lancashire, England, the North. He grew up in Manchester. His parents were Elizabeth and Peter, Irish Catholics, who had emigrated to Manchester from Dublin with his older sister Jacqueline a year before his birth. Morrissey recalls his childhood. In Manchester, get this, go figure, as being morbid with undercurrents of violence. And by the time he was 17, he claims he was already emotionally exhausted. Mm. You know, (laughs) yeah, the north of England, I think, at that time was a dreary place. My mom grew up there and she did not like it. Right. It seems I've been to Manchester one time and I mean, you can't get a good sense of a place from being there for 24 hours, but it, uh, it seemed... Uh, a little dreary. Mm. Were you a 24-hour party person? Yes. I, ta- I took ecstasy, I <laughs> in the hacienda, and I uh, ate poorly. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> um, he, yeah, he described Manchester as being dre- uh, dreary in his uh, 2013 book, Autobiography. Have either of you read his, his autobiography? No. I didn't have time. Okay. <laughs> I read it. It was... It was entertaining for like the first 150 pages about his life before the Smiths, and then it sort of devolves into just like him insulting all the band members and talking about the trial they he, they had with uh, the drummer who wanted royalties, which we'll get to soon. Mm. And it was just a bunch of like courtroom shit. But anyway, he uh, described Manchester uh, from his childhood as barbaric. A place where only savages can survive. There are no sexual guidelines, and I see myself naked only by appointment. 
Hmm. He described his fellow men, Cunians, as non-human sewer rats with missing eyes, the loudly <laughs> insane with indecipherable speech patterns, the mad <laughs> poor of Manchester's armpit. So not exactly a uh, hometown. I guess when I'm booster. watching like a Manchester United soccer game, mm-hmm. he's talking about the guys in the stands. Because yeah, Morrissey in the early '80s doesn't quite read as um, he loves going to the pub and watching <laughs> football. <laughs> he's a bit dramatic. Yeah, a little bit dramatic, and he was. I, I he was. Uh, I guess like a quiet, introspective, introvert guy who I think was like. On a few occasions, like uh, gay bashed as like a teen and stuff, yeah. mm. drinking like gay bars. Even though he was not officially out until until 2013, he revealed oh. his sexuality in 2013. Yeah, I always thought it was yeah. like, yeah, he always, uh, but it was kind of an open secret, right? Or he was like celibate, but like a lot of the iconography in Smith's album covers and videos, and just the way yeah. he carries himself, people were like. Assumed he was a gay man. But, this is interesting that we riffed about Benny Hill. Morrissey is a type of Benny Hill guy. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, because I remember at uh, concerts, um, men, like Morrissey would be singing, right? And men yeah. would, it was a thing where they'd jump on stage and kiss his cheek and give him a rose. Yeah. Like that would happen like 20 times in every concert. A man would run up, kiss yeah. him on the cheek and give him a rose. Yeah. So certainly, yeah, I guess. But but he but but he didn't come out until 2013. He didn't come out until 2013 to, uh, uh, to the surprise of no one, I guess. But anyway, yeah. uh, following his uh, primary school education, he failed his qualification exam and then went to a school he didn't like uh, called St. Mary's Secondary Modern School. And this is interesting. I remember this from his book, Autobiography. Uh, in high school, he excelled at athletics. He was particularly good at football and track and field and was, like, very good, very yeah. athletic. Wow. He was a bit of a sports guy, which is a big surprise. Whoa. Imagine Morrissey and I start a sports podcast. <laughs> That'd be cool. It makes you wonder, though, why don't the Smiths have more jock jams? <laughs> Actually, how soon is now could be a jock jam. It could be. In defense of uh, not fully, like, sep- oh, the artist or the art... Not fully separating, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> not like, you know, not like writing. Do you separate off the, the art from no, the artist. But if you want to, if you're having one of those conflicts with the Smiths, don't forget a lot of the beauty of the Smiths is Johnny Marr. True. Yes. Yeah. You can't hate on uh, that beautiful guitar work that's literally sounded like flowers growing up a lattice. Yes. Wow. The guy's pretty good at the six string. Ornate <laughs> is how I would describe his yeah. post punk licks. Hmm. So Morsi, get this, while he was, uh, you know, killing it on the football pitch and uh, running uh, on the track and field track, uh, he was unpopular and a bit of a loner at school, right? What? Not exactly a Danny Zuko guy. Yeah. Uh, That's weird. I'm different than that because I like being like everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. You'll never be the lead singer of the Smiths. (laughs) Uh, Morsi, get this. He was critical of his education, saying... Uh, the education I received was so basically evil and brutal. All I learned was to have no self-esteem and to feel ashamed without knowing why. This guy definitely is um, glass half empty. Yes, not exactly uh, an optimist. No, he's know? not exactly Ted Lasso. <laughs> <laughs> More, More like Lasso. Ted Asshole. <laughs> uh, he left school in 1975 having received no formal qualifications. So he's a dropout 
Parents, don't <laughs> let your kids drop out of school. They'll become Morrissey. You know? Uh-huh. His parents separated, so more misery at home. Ah. Um, and then uh, he re- retreated into the world of books and literature. His mother was a librarian, and uh, so he would just stay inside and read. He loved uh, feminist literature, uh, Oscar Wilde, and uh, books like that. He references Oscar Wilde a lot in the early Smiths lyrics and stuff. He was also a keen fan of Coronation Street. The oh, soap shout opera. out. Yeah. He is one of his first writing uh, attempts to start a writing career. He submitted some storylines and script ideas to Coronation Street, and they were all shot down. Wow, that's yeah. a great piece of trivia. Morrissey yeah. yeah. tried to write for Coronation Street. What if there was a celibate um, weirdo <laughs> who loved animals and hated immigrants? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Could have been. It. Could be good. Uh, James, remember you used to do that Coronation Street joke yeah. about Coronation Street in the future? Yeah, yeah. That's so I can't good. believe those robots are using their brain lasers to kill us. Oh, well. Yeah. In the future. Like in a Terminator-like yeah, future. The part that always made me laugh was like, have another pint, Tony. Oh, yeah. Like, another pint, Tony. Can you believe those robots? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I, the robot part is so funny. But just your impression of like a regular guy. <laughs> so, yeah, what are robots vaporized me crisps? <laughs> <laughs> They've got little robot crisps now. <laughs> walk right down your tongue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of Morrissey's uh, other sort of uh, lifelines was pop music. He was mm. a music fanatic. He loved... Uh, 60s girl groups and 70s glam rockers like David Bowie, Roxy mm-hmm. Music. Mm-hmm. He also started the British New York Dolls fan club as a teenager. Sweet. New York, New York Dolls were the ones that basically got everybody, especially in New York, jazzed about starting a, like back to bare basics, bare bones sort of like rock band, which basically was proto-punk, started punk, because... Uh, Everything was getting t- too complicated. Everything was like Yes and Emerson, Lake and yeah. Palmer and just very complex like run on like Deep Purple Jam organ solos that yeah. go on forever. And then all of a sudden New York Dolls were like these big boneheads, boneheads <laughs> that dressed up like in drag and basically were like if the Rolling Stones played power chords. Yeah. And so, yeah, they were insanely influential for the the new change of the music that was coming in like seventy three, seventy four, and all that. Yeah, just before punk fully uh, fully blew up, um, and they inspired Morrissey to uh, like all that music inspired him to like start his own musical career. Uh, he was on the dole at this time, so he was using all his money to buy records and concert tickets, and that is like a thing that the like the welfare system in the uk at the time like funded all of the the best music because it allowed people time and resources to like form bands and buy instruments and stuff like that did you know there was a long or there was a period in ireland in the i think 80s maybe up until somewhat recently where artists didn't have to pay taxes yes that's pretty cool if you're an artist (sighs) that'd be great oh i wish i was an irish painter yeah right now but maybe i mean does comedian count podcaster I wonder. Anyway. Does Graham Linehan have to pay taxes? (laughs) I wonder. I think they do now, but maybe back in the day. Right. I like that you referred to Graham Linehan as they. (laughs) Oh, we're going to hear from him now. 
Um, I didn't know. Did you know this, Chris? Morsi's first band was with the cult guitarist Billy Duffy called the Nosebleeds. No, I genuinely didn't. And I'm mad that I don't know everything about that stuff. You got to get on Wikipedia, man. <laughs> um, I do know that you were talking about the... Um, the aesthetic look of the Smiths, like the album covers, and yeah. like yeah, they'd be like snapshots of like handsome shirtless men and a butt. sort of would like, be like old sort of look like golden golden yeah. era yeah. movie type stuff. I do know that Morrissey was behind the designs of that, right? Yes, he chose all the photos for like their single covers and album covers and yeah. stuff. Like the Queen is Dead album cover is, I think, the French actor Alain Delon. Oh, and like a weird freaking noticed. Um, there's a weird like filter on it. There's like uh, yeah. the original Insta filter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Morrissey. Andy Warhol pictures. <laughs> Terrence Stamp is from the uh, collectors on well, cover of one of them. Anyway, yeah. yeah, he was very, it was all like 60s, 50s British cinema mostly. Yeah. Hmm. Stills. Okay. Yeah. So his band, The Nosebleeds. I jumped ahead. Sorry. Yeah. The Nosebleeds. He was writing songs finally, songs with titles like Peppermint Heaven, I Get Nervous, and I Think I'm Ready for the Electric Chair, which is a funny t- song title. <laughs> He always was good at those that macabre humor, you know. <laughs> I love it. It's so funny when you hear um, "girlfriend," you know, "girlfriend in a coma." Mm-hmm. It's so funny, funny song. I remember the first time I heard that was when. It honestly could, sounds like the, the 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 jokes he makes in his songs honestly sounds like things you say day to day, like just dark jokes yeah, like yeah. that that you're not expecting. <laughs> the nosebleeds opened for Manchester bands and they disbanded. They were going nowhere. Uh, Morrissey then joined the punk band Slaughter and the Dogs, who I've never heard oh. of, but I always heard of He was them. in Slaughter and the Dogs? He auditioned for them and did like a gig or two, oh. and they, they dropped him, and then they changed their name to yeah, they're on Studio some old... Sweethearts. At this point, he was now like a, ma- a minor figure on the Manchester music scene, but mm-hmm. going nowhere. Minor figure. <laughs> <laughs> he next tried his hand at music journalism, and he, he often... You can find these online. He wrote a bunch of like very... Uh, opinionated and cutting letters to like the NME and he would have been really annoying if Twitter was then if their Twitter was a thing then yeah and so he wrote like uh, concert reviews and like he just like would uh, criticize bands he didn't like Mm. Uh, he wrote a few short books one on the New York Dolls and one called James Dean is not dead he was obsessed with uh, American film star James Dean (laughs) and that's uh, well he kind of apes that image. The, yeah, the hair. Kind Even of? to this day, he's kind of like Robert Smith. He's like, this is my image, and I'm going to do it until it gets bigger, sweatier, and, you know. <laughs> Jowlier. Little, yeah, dowl, yeah. A bit more disheveled. Yeah, but <laughs> strands yeah. of my hair are going to go this way and that, but it's still going to be the look. He definitely was like, yeah, he was a time capsule picture of like ideal of that beauty the rockabilly kind of look james dean like male beauty standards from the 50s yeah. are kind of his his thing. but it also had yeah. a romantic era sort yeah. of like you know yeah william wordsworthian type of like blouse type of thing you know yeah. what i mean yeah. like oh yeah he wore a big blouse yeah with the open times. chest and yeah, like yep. yeah it kind of had this sort of like Oh, like romantic poetry, like suffering alone down by the pond <laughs> sort of look. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. 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 Well, Doom, his hero was like doomed figures like Oscar Wilde, James yeah. Dean, stuff like that. Hmm. Um, let's get to the Smiths. You guys want to talk about the Smiths now? Woo! Yeah. So he's had some false starts as a <laughs> book guy and with Slaughter and the Dogs and the Nosebleeds. Uh, in 1982... 
a young man named Johnny Marr turned up on Morrissey's doorstep. Hello. To ask <laughs> Morrissey if he was interested in co-founding a band. Now, they had met five years earlier at a Patti Smith gig when Johnny Marr was 14. And then five years later, Johnny Marr came to ask him to join a band. Out of nice. The and they got along well, started writing songs. At this point, uh, Stephen started going by his name, Morrissey, just the surname. And he started forbidding anyone to call him Stephen. Right? I would too. Don't call me Steven or else you're going to get a very soft <laughs> slap in the face. <laughs> if you call me Steven, I'm going to put a rose up your nostril. <laughs> <laughs> Morrissey also came up with the name The Smiths because he said it was the most ordinary name he could think of and that it was time that the world heard from ordinary people for once. Right. Mm. He's very ordinary, for sure. Just a regular bloke. <laughs> Stephen Patrick Morrissey. In 1982, uh, October of 82, the Smiths made their first public appearance playing as a group. And uh, after their demo was turned down by Factory Records and EMI, they were signed to Rough Trade. And their first single, 1983's Hand in Glove, was championed by legendary DJ John Peel. And after that, the Smiths were off to the races. They now had like a national profile and a growing audience. (laughs) I'm not going to go like um, blow by blow through the Smiths career if you're listening maybe you like them if not they're from 82 to 87 four studio albums lots of singles um, huge band what are your favorite uh, Smith songs or Ooh. records what's your favorite album oh I think I I don't know I, I because I I think I mostly got into them like in the mp3 time so I don't even yeah. remember which album was which what's your favorite I, do, I always love best um, metadata from an mp3 <laughs> <laughs> I always love the one uh, oh mother I can hear. I know it's over. Fo- yeah, the soil falling <laughs> over my head. It makes you I wonder, though, what kind of mother is dumping a big <laughs> shovel full of dirt on her son's <laughs> damn head? I love that one, and I I do love girlfriend in a coma, mm-hmm. and um, oh man, I love I love a bunch of them. I mean, obvious, but this charming man's a great one. I like that. Yeah, like when I was in high school, I was into punk. I was into hip hop, but I never really. I heard of the Smiths all the time, and like. The way you'd hear about stuff before internet really blew up was like back a Thrasher magazine and stuff would show you like all these punk bands to get into and the Smiths were there were always like lumped in with like even stuff like Dead Kennedys and the Misfits and stuff. Which is and so, so I was like, funny. Yeah, I guess I should check out the Smiths, but I was definitely into the Dead Kennedys and especially the Misfits and stuff. But this girl that I oh my god, nothing ever happened between us, but I was like had a major crush on her one night. We're partying at a friend's house. And she literally kept playing this charming man on a cassette uh, t- uh, tape player, and like, I was like, the song blew me away. And then like watching her like dance and sing it, I was like, fuck, this rules. And like, so <laughs> this charming man was the definitely the gateway track for me. <clears throat> but I really do like William. It was really nothing like big yeah, time. It's a good one. The lyrics to that are just so beautiful. And ask is yeah. a favorite of mine. Oh Love. yeah, ask me, ask yeah. A rush oh, yeah. and a push, and the land is ours. The first song on their on Strange Ways. Here we come. I like that a lot. Stop yeah. me if you think you've heard this one before. Love that one. So many yeah. bangers. Many yeah. bangers. Uh, many bangers. That's the thing. They have the bangers louder than bombs compilation, and then they have that's a stone cold. That's the thing. Classic. Like their yes. compilations are yeah. kind of. More popular than their solo album. I think that's why I got confused by the albums because I had I did have a CD, but I didn't know if it was an album or a. Well, they're a band that has repackaged greatest hits. They have so many compilations and hate, half right. full of hollow, half full of hollow. Those and two compilations, bombs, yeah, are like perfect. The, the world won't listen. I think is another comp. They have they're endlessly compiled 
But the f- four studio albums are what? The Smiths, Meet His Murder, These Things Queen Take Dead, Time, Hand in Glove. Oh, my yeah. God. Anyway, Heaven you know Knows I, I'm Miserable Now. I love that. Yeah, and I know it's, hey, I know it's their number one main hit, but I, I love How Soon Is Now. That song's incredible. I remember hearing that first in a beer commercial, of all things, <laughs> uh, from like some Canadian beer, Molson Blue or something. Unlikely. Molson Blue. Mike, something Labatt mm-hmm. Blue. No. Oh my God! I'm showing yeah. my <laughs> ignorance. Anyway, <laughs> listeners, write in and tell us what your favorite Smiths moment and song or album is. It's actually insane that you just said Molson Blue. <laughs> <laughs> There's I, like any of our listeners who are like blue collar guys just went, "What the fuck? What uh, the fuck? Is this my Try Guys moment? I have to like, issue, I'm gonna have to resign from the podcast. Ed- I edit you out of all yeah. the old episodes. So I gotta say, I don't know what the Try Guys are at all. And I've been watching people make Try Guys jokes on Twitter all week, and I don't fucking know. You know what? We should have thought of this for the intro. Maybe next week. They're just three guys with a YouTube video where they eat food, and one guy cheated on his wife, and the other guys are like, oh my god, he cheated. We've got to fire him and delete him out of everything. And it's like, who the fuck cares? Yeah, who the fuck cares? Their video, they should make a video of him cheating on his wife. It would blow up, (laughs) and they'd get more money, you fucking idiots. (laughs) Beep, beep. (laughs) Beep, beep. So Morrissey was not your average frontman in the uh, in the '80s at this time when it was bands like I don't know Duran Duran, ABC, Culture Club, uh, the New Romantic era, and his frontman of the Smiths, Morrissey. He subverted many of the norms that uh, frontmen uh, were expected to, you know. There was Rollins, and then there was Morrissey. Morrissey. Well, there was no machismo with Morrissey. Right. He was ambiguous sexu- uh, sexually. Uh, he would wear a hearing aid and glasses, and he would carry flowers, gla- gladioli. He would wear a hearing aid huh. uh, on like top of the pops. Did he need it? No, he, it was just like a a, f- a fun accessory. An affectation. Uh, he would carry uh, flowers around. He would wear women's blouses, often open, revealing his skinny, uh, hairless torso, and um, that was not. He's like, like a Mexican dog. Yes, and it was sort of like a bit of an androgynous thing from the glam rock era, but also. Just looking like they would wear just like Johnny Marr and the rest of the band would just wear like regular sweaters. Like they wouldn't dress up like rock stars. Mm, yeah. It was very like thrift store kind of thing. Which And their name was like The Smiths. The Smiths. So which was kind of, yeah. yeah. Mm. I like it. I like it. I like the aesthetic. And I really, uh, for going back to the Morrissey of that era, I admire that. I admire him yeah. being a fully formed Up to this character point. that is exuding the confidence in his way yeah. that he wants. Up to this point, truly nothing seemingly <laughs> objectionable. No. And he, also, o- he seemed awesome. Yeah. He instantly became like a gay icon, even though he was very like uh, ambiguous and he talked about being celibate. If you looked at the covers or lyrics to most of his songs, there was, you could maybe guess that he was uh, maybe a gay man or bisexual or whatever. But now we're gonna get to now we're almost at the point where Morrissey's starting to say some uh, pretty odd things in the press. Oh, so, yeah. uh, unlike a lot of uh, pop stars of his era, he was more articulate and caustic and funny than people like Boy George or the fellas in Duran Duran. Uh, he would talk about being celibate. He would put down other pop stars. Talk about his vegetarian beliefs, you know, his strict vegetarian, and his hatred of Margaret Thatcher and the royal family. And this is funny. In 1984. The IRA bombed a hotel in Brighton where Margaret Thatcher was staying, and they narrowly missed killing her, which would have, who knows what what would have happened uh, had they killed Margaret Thatcher. But Morrissey was quoted in the press as saying, quote, the only sorrow was that Thatcher escaped unscathed. (laughs) 
<laughs> wow. Tim, man. That's uh, He's going for it. risky. Like uh, he was then, I think, uh, interviewed by like the Secret Service to like ask Whoa. him about stuff. Uh, also, for a song called Margaret on the Guillotine from his first solo album, <laughs> where it was a song about how he wanted her dead and he was going to be happy the day she died. Wow. His, his flat was searched and he was questioned for this song. No way. In 1988 or 89. Wow. Anyway, he also um, didn't think much of the Band-Aid classic, Do They Know It's Christmas Time, saying that... Uh, Bob Geldof is a nauseating character. <laughs> One can have great concern for the people of Ethiopia, but it's another thing to inflict daily torture on the people of England. <laughs> it was an awful Jesus. record considering the massive talent involved. This I stuff actually, is I actually like, love that song. Yeah, both care. of these things are that so far very acerbic <laughs> and yeah, and but still, I love it. So yeah. far, it's good. No, it's, it's good stuff. Very funny. He got into it with, as, as you brought up before, Robert Smith from the, the Cure. Morrissey called the singer a whinge bag and said <laughs> that the Cure were, quote, and this is a, he, he phrases things I love the cure. in a weird way that's like sometimes he hits the target dead on, sometimes you don't know where the target is. He said that the Cure were, quote, a new dimension to the word crap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love the cure, so but that's yeah. a funny thing to say. And then Robert yeah. Smith uh, responded saying, uh, "At least we've only added a new dimension in crap, not built a career out of it." Uh, that's not as good. Not and as it, good. It sounds yeah. like a mom well, fighting he, back. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have much to work with because the insult wasn't that good. Yeah. And then Robert Smith also said, "If Morrissey says not to eat meat, then I'm going to eat meat." That's how much <laughs> I hate Morrissey. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's, that's I funny. actually like that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> and also, get your nutrients from meat. Yeah, Morrissey, what the fuck? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Vegetarians, vegans, whatever. Y'all so, get, y'all <laughs> the Smiths broke up in 1987 because they didn't have good management or any management. I can't believe it was only five years. Five years. Classic run. No band should be together maybe fuck, more. That's like incredibly prolific, too. That's like, practically that's how long we did the Landlord and Tenant pot mess. <laughs> because all of those... Uh, all of those uh, <laughs> yeah, perfect run. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, is... Like we mentioned, Louder Than Bombs and Half Full of Hollow being these incredibly tight, perfect compilations. Most of the tracks on that are singles, not on the four albums. Yes, they release singles. And the four albums are all amazing, too. Yeah. So it's like, what the fuck? Five five years of that prolific output? It's crazy. And Morrissey aside, Johnny Mars, like I said, incredibly beautiful, intricate guitar playing on every song is so incredible. Sometimes, I'm not to take away from the rhythm section, yeah. like the bass and the drums, like they're amazing. But mm-hmm. anyway, in '87, like after releasing, uh, or I think they broke up before releasing "Strange Ways Here We Come," their last studio album, because they didn't have good management, and Morrissey didn't like Johnny Marr collaborating with others, and Morrissey wanted to like didn't want to change their sound or whatever. Anyway, they they weren't getting along. Drug problems as well. Uh, he released his first album, "Viva Hate," in 1988. With that song, Margaret on the Guillotine, but also with the classic hits, Suede Head and Every Day is Like Sunday. Mm. Every day is like Sunday. Every day. And in the video for Suede Head, for some reason, there's a shot of him driving a tractor. (laughs) (laughs) It's a John Deere. (laughs) It was, I guess, Viva Hate and other solo albums, Your Arsenal, Vox Hall and I. Uh, I guess those three are kind of like his high, most highly regarded solo albums, and they charted higher than anything the Smiths had done. So he was riding high, but his solo career sort of went peaks and valleys like after yeah after the first few albums. Let's get to 
the next topic in my Google document, accusations of racism. Okay. <laughs> I oh did boy. hear of some of those, and they're not defendable. Excuse me. <laughs> racism makes they're- Chris sleepy. <laughs> Morrissey's racism oh, is indefensible. <laughs> not good, even. <laughs> so throughout his... He is kind of like the snagglepuss yeah. of... Uh, Snagglesy. Yeah. Morris puss. <laughs> Yeah, of the Hanna-Barbera of <laughs> New Wave post-punk. So, throughout his career, mostly the solo years, Morrissey has been accused of racism based on some strange, weird stuff he's said in interviews um, and some stuff he's done at concerts. Um, he's rejected these accusations, and he actually won a libel case against the NME, the uh, New Musical Express, who accused him of racism, and they were forced to apologize. In 1992, on the album Your Arsenal, there's a song called The National Front Disco. Um, And some people have said this is a song that celebrates this far right-wing group because it has like a line, England for the English, and it uses a lot of, at this point, it was using a lot of like skinhead iconography Mm. in videos and stuff. And in 1992... At a Madness, the ska band Madness had a festival called Madstock. Morrissey came on stage with skinhead images as a backdrop and wrapped himself in the Union flag, which hmm. in the 70s and 80s was heavily associated with like the National Front, uh, the far-right racist organization. And he has a song called National Front Disco. Yeah, and people were like, what are you saying? Or is it... There was a big National Front presence in Toronto around that time, too. I remember in high school hearing about like fights at shows in the city yeah. in Toronto between skinheads and like anti-racist Weird. activists, which doesn't happen anymore. Other racist quotes and things, um, Morrissey has accused uh, the London mayor, Sadiq Khan, of not being able to talk properly mm. because of his accent. Um he has claimed that halal meat production, uh, the Islamic method of animal slaughter, um, requires certification that can only be given by supporters of ISIS, and he described it as evil. He also hates all meat. Uh, he also described the Jewish kos- kosher process as cruel and called for it to be banned. So those so, are some big, uh, big things to say. So does his racism stem from him just hating meat, including human meat? Yeah, because those might be like... Yeah, it feels like the meat issue supersedes almost. You'd maybe. hope so, but who the hell knows? I guess I guess it's like when it, when one or two of these things start happening, maybe you go, well, you know, who knows what angle he's coming from? He's such a weirdo yeah. contrarian. But I guess as they pile up and up and up and up and up, he's also like, said that you're like what you said is just racist. It's like no, it's not racism. I just hate meat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, another meat-based racist uh, quote: He Morrissey in 2010 during an interview. Uh, knowing that the microphone was on, he described the, the Chinese as, quote, a subspecies in reference to their treatment of animals. Uh, and he was accused of being racist. Now, if he only was racist when it came to meat, that's that was right. one thing. But he's also said that England, uh, the gates has been like uh, the gates have been opened and like the island has been stormed by immigrants and that you can't hear uh, English spoken on the streets of London these days. Mm. He's just straight up really fucking racist. He claims, he, he he says all these things, and he goes, I'm not racist <laughs> at the same time. Every racist says strange. that. Yeah. It's so bizarre. Yeah. Um, the mayor, uh, I've talked about the mayor of London. 
So that's his racism a little bit. We'll get to more later. In 1996, another thing that might make you think, hmm, Morrissey might not be a nice person, is um, he and Johnny Marr were sued by the former Smiths drummer Mike Joyce for uh, royalties that he felt he was owed because when the Smiths formed, Johnny Marr and Morrissey each took 40% of the performance and recording royalties and left Andy Rourke on bass and Mike Joyce on drums with only 10% each. And these guys basically were, I guess, had no money at the time. So, But did they physically like write the songs? They didn't, but they didn't get like even radio royalties for or much royalties right. for playing on these gigantic songs. Like, yeah. Because the Smiths, I guess, in Britain are... You hear them more than you hear them here. Um, so there was a lawsuit... And Mike Joyce won. He won the lawsuit and he got one million pounds in back payment and bumped up to a 25% uh, split Mm. on royalties going forward. Uh, It was a seven-day court hearing. And in summing up the case, the judge, Justin Weeks, referred to Morrissey as, quote, devious, truculent, and unreliable when his own interests were at stake. Oh. uh, So he was a jerk? To those two guys. He was a jerk. And then Morrissey claimed that the judge hated him because of what he had said in the past about Margaret Thatcher. (laughs) 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 And he appealed and he lost. So they had to give uh, money to Mike Joyce. That sucks. Could be true. I could see a judge loving Thatcher. Me too. And hating uh, hating Morrissey. Mm. Loving the drummer. (laughs) The only guy who was worth anything in the Smiths was that drummer. (laughs) Dude. That's all anyone remembers from their songs. <laughs> also, Morrissey wrote Axel F for Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, in 2007, Morrissey sued the New Musical Express for libel because um, they claimed he was racist because they reported that he said, it's very difficult uh to return to England because although I don't have anything against people from other countries, the higher the influx into England, the more the British identity disappears. The gates of England are flooded. The country's been uh, thrown away. And they said he was racist. Um, they had to apologize. I don't know why because that sounds pretty racist to me. Uh, and some other controversies. This is a weird one. In 2017, Morrissey was selling a T-shirt at gigs with the African-American author James Baldwin's face on it. Yeah, this is what I remember. And so there's a song, a Smith song called Unlovable, where there's a line where Morrissey sings, I wear black on the outside because black is how I feel on the inside. And those words were in a like semicircle around James Baldwin's face. And for a guy whose audience is like 99.99% white, people were like, "What? what the fuck is this? And Mm. then they stopped selling the t-shirts. In 2017, Morrissey uh, endorsed uh, UKIP. (laughs) Oh, the guys who wanted to do Brexit? Brexit, Nigel Farage. Um, And he also expressed support for the anti-Islam activist Anne-Marie Waters and her far-right party called For Britain. And he wore a For Britain pin when he appeared uh, on Jimmy Fallon's Tonight Show. He also supported the anti-Islam activist Tommy Robinson. You ever seen this guy? He's just like a a dumb thug guy who shows up and uh, 
protests in front of uh, mosques and stuff like that. Hmm. Anyway, Morrissey's one of those guys who says that Hitler was uh, a left winger as well. Oh, <laughs> come on. In 2019, he said, uh, as far as racism goes, the modern loony left seemed to forget that Hitler was left wing. But of course, we are all called racist now, and the word is actually meaningless. Hmm. At this point, some people thought that Morrissey was maybe ruining the legacy of the Smiths. Mm. Um, Billy Bragg said that he was dragging their legacy through the dirt, but Nick Cave defended Morrissey's right to freedom of speech and said that he had the right to voice his beliefs, uh, and he said that people need to separate his, his musical legacy from his political opinions. I have some... Uh, it's hard to know what he's thinking, though, because uh, just a few things about his views on American politics. You guys want to hear yeah. uh, Morrissey's <laughs> views yeah, on... Yeah, I, I feel like I have no feel yeah. if it's like Trump, pro-Trump, or so, pro-Bernie, or what. This is where it's confusing. In uh, 2008, at a concert, Morrissey remarked, God bless Barack Obama, and he criticized Hillary Clinton. Here's one of his lesser good zingers. He called her Billary Clinton. <laughs> uh, okay. And then he criticized Obama for not doing enough to combat police brutality. In 2016, then, he's, he endorsed Hillary Clinton um, and praised Bernie Sanders. Huh. He also called Donald Trump, Donald Thump. <laughs> <laughs> One of the greatest lyricists of all time. He might have lost a step in his insult yeah. game but from the 80s. this is what I'm saying. It's like, it seems like <laughs> the... That post-punk era's version of trolling, like most of the time, with what he's doing. Right. Like, I could see the skinhead uh, imagery in the early 90s being... A commentary or something? Like, you know how, like, punks sort of adapted old, like, Nazi imagery? Sid Vicious. Yeah. Yeah, Like, I feel like it's a co-opting of that to be more, like, sensational and... uh, and, uh, you know, shocking than it is to be, uh, to have an actual stance. Because when Sid Vicious wore a swastika, the idea, I guess, is oh, that, like, did? there was, it, there was nothing more shocking you can do to the generation older than you who lived through the war than right. wearing a swastika. Right. If they had, like, literally lived yeah. through the Blitz or something. And people would put, would like, be... iron crosses on their leather jackets. So it's and, like, like, what could upset our parents, basically, more than yeah. anything else? Yeah. Someone who lived through World also, War II. Also, yeah, it's also, like, trolling people so that there's a outrage is good promotion for you. Like, I feel like he's that kind of guy. And mm. when Morrissey, though, I guess it's, like, when he's using skinhead imagery and, like, far right I'm not defending imagery, it though. is he t- doing it for the shock value or is it something he consistently does because he has some weird yeah he probably does have some weird it? like probably yeah. does but then also and, and like his, what's with the American stuff like it's he confusing. might be like uh, it seems well just from li- literally listening to you it seems like he has maybe an unhealthy seeming to me preoccupation with basically like keeping British, England, British, but perhaps his politics overall, other than that, might yeah. be to the left. It seems, but he he doesn't like that England is becoming less white. And it it's sort of weird seems. too because he is part of a minority that has been treated like shit traditionally by Britain. Like he's his second generation Except Irish. Oscar immigrant. Wilde is super celebrated, and Oscar Wilde is a major hero of his. And the weird thing is, is the people that I do think are these weird sort of like colonial era loving sort of like keep britain britain type types 
they romanticize the Victorian era of Britain more than anything else. And I feel like Morrissey's kind of from that mind frame. Well, he likes the romantic poets and stuff. Exactly. And it's, but he's also a Irish guy. I don't know. It's, it's all very yeah. confusing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Irish I don't know why I'm trying to like English art, hot. figure yes. it out. It's it's still even trolls are like fuck off you know what i mean i think he's definitely saying some really objectionable things that i think i could uh, are you know offensive and i could understand being offended for sure and yeah. and if you and, and it and i could understand it being enough to write him off but yeah overall it sort of it, it's yeah i see exactly what you what you mean chris like it's hard to say where that line is of him kind of trolling and being offensive and but I, but based on what you've said, Mike, I do think he probably does have some. I mean, his support of UKIP and and the and that stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, and I agree that like suck. being dementedly bullied, you know, to the to to the point where it's like you know it sticks a craw in the middle of your brain for the rest of your life. Like you're just yeah. gonna always be this reactionary asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Like no matter what, like it's just psychology one on one. You're gonna want to like piss off the bullies for the rest of your life right and fight them you know what i mean even if there is no bullies yeah, yeah like the status quo becomes the bully like you got you 10 saying. guys every night kissing you and giving you a rose you know you're popular now dude yeah get over the loser act you achieved your goal buddy <laughs> yeah it was like 25 10 guys in every area code giving you a rose you got 10 guys give, kissing you giving a rose get over it yourself buddy you won yeah. <laughs> now two things before i get to maybe a lightning Around where I just read some some funny things he said about other celebrities. All uh, right. In 2017, he uh, attracted controversy after defending both Kevin Spacey and Harvey Weinstein. Oh. Fuck. Saying it's that forget hard. everything we just said. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking asshole. He said that it was ridiculous that Spacey was being treated this way, and that uh, you know uh-huh. uh, you that people in Hollywood should know what they're getting into, basically, mm. and that it's that's just the way things work. Mm. I don't agree with that. Uh, uh, a funnier thing is that in now we all love the uh, the recent seasons of The Simpsons, right? So oh, we all yeah, it, it start at like twenty five, twenty seven. <laughs> it gets really good. The golden era, as it's known, uh, <laughs> during the twenty twenty one Simpsons season, there was an episode called "Panic on the Streets of Springfield," which satirized a character very similar to Morrissey, a character named Quillaby who is the frontman of a fictional band called The Snuffs, voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, and they poked fun at uh, a Morrissey-like character for being oversensitive and, and ridiculous and foppish and stuff. And Morrissey, he shot back at The Simpsons with a very histrionic, uh, earnest letter on his website where he wrote... Keep in mind, what he's talking about here is The Simpsons. He wrote, quote, The hatred shown towards me from the creators of The Simpsons is obviously a taunting lawsuit, but one that requires more funding than I could possibly muster. Um, You are especially despised if your music affects people in a strong and beautiful way, since music is no longer required. There is no place in modern music for anyone with strong emotions. In a world obsessed with hate laws, there are none that protect me. Like, who would even know this episode happened if he didn't tweet about it? I don't know anyone who watches The Simpsons now. Yeah, he should be happy that he's even being talked about. Yeah. At all. God. But yeah, Simpsons. Sounds like uh, who, whomever uh, he lives with <laughs> suffers quietly. <laughs> <laughs> and walks on eggshells all day. Probably. 
Good lord. Yeah. Just him walking around in a robe. You forgot slippers. to put your dishes away again. Yeah. Oh, um, sorry, gotta go. My husband's calling. Who's your husband? <laughs> Morrissey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hurt his feelings because I didn't scrape the mustard off of my plate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here's just some funny things he said about other celebrities uh, before we close it out here on our big episode on Morrissey. Uh, he had a feud with Robert Smith, as we talked about before. Canadian crooner Michael Bublé. He's also said some cruel things about. Oh, <laughs> In an interview, Morrissey once... Leave Buble's name out your motherfucking mouth. <laughs> Morrissey, you got a problem with Michael Buble, you got a problem with this. <laughs> then you have a problem with the Evil Men podcast. <laughs> Morrissey uh, once referred to uh, the Canadian crooner uh, saying, quote, fire in the belly is essential, otherwise you become like Michael Buble, famous and meaningless. Damn. Mm. Morrissey, if you ever step one foot in Molson Blue country... <laughs> <laughs> Your ass is grass. Now I could go on forever here with insults. I'll just do some choice ones. He's, he talks shit about Queen Bay, Beyonce. Yeah. What do you say? No, there's no way. There's yeah. nothing you can what say. Are, what are you gonna say? You're too beautiful. Yeah, you're uh, too perfect. Apparently, at a concert in L.A. at the Staples Center, he said, yeah. uh, and this is not a good insult either. He's missing the mark here. I don't know what he's talking about. He said, I'm sad to hear that the rhino is more or less now extinct. He's a big animal rights vegetarian mm-hmm. guy. And it's no due, it's not due to global warming or shrinking habitats. It's because of Beyonce's handbags. Not exactly uh, evening at the improv uh, quality no. material. It sounds like he's sitting in a well-worn living room chair eating candies out of a dish. <laughs> An old grandma. Yeah, just 100% with a quilt yeah. on his I lap. I wonder if Beyonce, Beyonce heard that and cried all night. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. So, so cutting. Jay-Z. A was dagger like, straight Jay-Z's from... Jay-Z's like, I'm going to kill Morrissey. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Ether, Breaking part news, two. Jay-Z, Jay-Z versus Morrissey. Morrissey over his oh, I guess rhino handbag comment. There's yeah. a diss track. Yeah, <laughs> that would actually be amazing. The takeover. What's it called? What's the one where he disses Nas? Yeah, but Jay Z versus Morrissey. That's nice. <laughs> uh, this one made me laugh uh, about Jamie Oliver, celebrity uh, chef. Uh-oh. Okay, he said. <laughs> now this is also not one of his good uh, nicknames. If Jamie Orable is mm. so certain that flesh food is tasty, then why doesn't he stick one of his children in a microwave? <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> I can't tell what's going on with this guy. He's just caustic across the board. I think people are complicated. They yeah. can both it's suck and be kind of funny and have were once cool. One final quote to leave you with before uh, we wrap things up and bring out the evilometer. Here's Morrissey on meat eaters. You know, he's a huge uh, pita guy. He loves animals, hates people. He said, quote, I see no difference between eating animals and pedophilia. <laughs> um... They are both rape, <laughs> violence, and murder. I if I'm introduced to anyone who eats beings, I walk away. <laughs> that's that's wow. I'm going to say I disagree. Yeah, I disagree I with him there. I don't one. see eating meat the same as being a pedophile. On the same note, no, no. he said, "Quote: If you believe in the abattoir, then you would support Auschwitz. There's no difference." I mean, his comments are crazy, but at least you know they follow the same logic of he thinks an animal has as much right to live mm-hmm. as you or I. There's a certain type of person who's 
like we were talking about his aesthetic being the same for four or five decades. <laughs> uh, the, there's a certain type of person that is like that, and they get famous for the type of person they meticulously crafted early on, but their brain also stays that way. And Morrissey and like John Cleese, they're just also these type of problems. They're like this sort of like brain where it's like, I'm this guy, case closed, and there's no maneuverability to them. If he genuinely sees no difference between pedophilia and eating meat, do you think every time he drives by like uh, McDonald's or Wendy's, he calls the cops? <laughs> it's like, something awful is happening in there. Or a McDonald's in my neighborhood. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> mm. Or if he sees a pedophile doing that and he's like oh you're eating a hamburger aren't you one time i was about to eat a hamburger and morrissey snatched it out of my hands and took it to yeah um <laughs> safety put a blanket around it <laughs> yeah, he, he has like a, a kennel for saved hamburgers <laughs> <Just> rotting <laughs> over the years <laughs> they roam around his farm and a he's very dickensian orphanage with hamburgers in beds <laughs> all in like a giant room <laughs> And he reads them like fairy tales at night. Good night. <laughs> oh, little ha- good night, my princes of Hamburger Town. <laughs> He's got a bunch of little chicken nuggets. Uh. <laughs> oh my god, chicken nuggets in a crib. All <laughs> oh, throw little blankets. <laughs> he just he sings them. I know it's over. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, nuggets, I can feel the soil. <laughs> well, hamburgers rotting are a symptom of. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Stephen Patrick Morrissey. And uh, before we uh, wrap it up here, I just want to let listeners know his upcoming album, Bonfire of Teenagers, will be released some point next year. Okay. Who gives a shit, Morrissey? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Mike, do you want to summon our friend? Okay. Um, that's the story of Morrissey, and now I have no choice but to bring out the evilometer. Oh, look at what he's got. He's got a little hearing aid in, uh, and a, a bunch of gladioli. Oh, you know what? I'm going to go up to the evilometer and kiss kiss it and give it a rose. Oh. <laughs> James. Here you go. Oh, he just said something controversial. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, we should probably input our scores before the end of the episode uh, coming up. Absolutely. James, why don't you tell us what you think of Morrissey? Oh, this is a tough one. I mean, if this was uh, the asshole-ometer, I think he is does seem like an <laughs> asshole uh, now, yeah. especially. And I do find, like we talked about, I do find, you know, his views do, do sound uh, racist. They do. Um, but d- is he... It's a tough one because I don't I don't really think he's evil. I just think he has bad politics. It seems to me, and I suppose I suppose you got to put him a little on the evilometer. Uh, maybe from his sort of his anti-immigration kind of stance feels uh, feels somewhat biased and mean. So, but I, it's, it's low. Not very I'm tweed. No, I'm, very I'm, but I'm going to put him low. I'm warning everybody. He's going to have a low score because I don't Uh-oh. think he's evil. So I'll say two point <laughs> Okay. Because it look, yeah, he's not. He, you can't say you can't put him up with Hitler. No, no, no. Hitler did a lot of worse stuff. Left wing, uh, but being a two is still something. Left wing icon Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> I just think he's a. Yeah. He seems like a jerk. Chris, what do you think about Morrissey? I just want to say that I think I used the word pathology a bit wrong. I was thinking of psychology, the psychological makeup of Morrissey, but it's a psychological disorder. But I also think pathology 
uh, kind of works in, to a degree in that it is something that could be diagnosed. You know what I mean? Ah. Uh, medically. But I want to say that I'm going three because racism is abhorrent. Yes. I don't want it on this planet at all. It's ugly. It's despicable. But uh, I think like Hulk Hogan, I gave him a four, and that's because he was affecting all the other wrestlers' careers as well. And Hulk Hogan yeah. like, was Morrissey more direct. really do anything to people. Well, Hulk Hogan He's also was directly... Yeah. And maybe it makes no difference, but he was using the N-word and s- yeah. s- sort of a claim... <laughs> Proclaiming <laughs> that he is a racist. Yeah, it's like I'm. I'm only being racist because I'm racist. Where I don't know if Morrissey's racist. like I'm not racist. Hulk Hogan, but also Hulk Hogan as well. <laughs> oh, but also right. Hogan affected people's lives and careers and money yeah. and pay. Yeah, Morrissey kind of doesn't do anything to anybody except ruin his fan and base his, and hurt his and fan H- base. Also, Hulk Hogan's sex tape wasn't even like that sexy. Like I it was a bit, but he I shouldn't think, have eaten all that pasta. Yeah, I think two is right, but also three because racism and skinhead imagery like it should be punished like you're fucking nuts like fuck off i agree i I agree there's some line where being like i'm being provocative is just like "Eh, now you're just making people feel not good yeah yeah Yeah. three three all right what do i think of morrissey well um (laughs) yes there's the constant racist quotes not cool um treating his ex-bandmates badly kind of ripping them off not cool and also uh, on a more serious note uh, he's still more serious. More, <laughs> more, more serious. serious. Uh, he still rips open his blouses well into middle age, and he used to look good when he when he would do that. Now it's it's troubling to see that because mm. he's he's filled out a bit uh, as he ages. And so you're body shaming the racist man? No, I'm just saying I don't know what kind of carrots he's been eating. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a lot of tofurkey. <laughs> Beyond burgers. Um, yeah, I. It is true he hasn't, except for maybe treating his ripping off his ex bandmates. He hasn't. All his bad stuff is just stuff he's said, opinions he's thrown around right. that are hard to gauge uh, where he's coming from. He's definitely definitely sounds racist, of course, absolutely. Um, but more than anything, he just seems like the most annoying man who's ever lived. Yeah. I'll give him a four point five. Oh, okay. knock okay. him down. Yeah, those seem, those feel like right scores. Mm. I hope because yeah, I know nothing too outrageous. We put those evilometer scores up. I hope people don't get mad at us, but those feel right to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a dink. I like More being in the middle a on dink. this one. If there's he's a, a dink. If there's a smaller dinkometer, <laughs> he's getting an eight or a nine. Yeah, evil. Mm. Now, if we were three uh, cows. Or oh, pigs? He'd be a zero. Rating it? No. Oh, sorry. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, because he protects us. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. It's funny. Yeah. Like, but if we were a burger, he would be a ten. Yeah. Because he's always mad at us. Yeah. <laughs> he's always talking. It shit is about crazy. Us. <laughs> Imagining like if we were eating like yeah McNuggets and Morrissey came in right now, he would look at us like we were pedophiles. Oh, it's one thing. Damn, it's really stupid. He has referred to. Uh, <laughs> KFC is one of his bad insults. Yeah, yeah. In a in a quote, he said he called KFC Kentucky Fried shit. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> sir, you've still got it. <laughs> one of the best wordsmiths walking the earth. Oscar Wilde, part yeah. two. Yeah. Kentucky Fried uh, shit. Morrissey. These episodes I find are tricky to talk about because um, 
trying to trying to explain like that you you think it's bad, yeah, but um you don't want to go overboard on everything is like a, yeah. a hard nuance to find and not feel like I'm you're, especially you're, since we're three white guys exactly too, and then exactly. we're like weirdly trying to defend but I'm not, we're not it's just no, trying no, not, to find to be objective I mean yes. I should say yes. I'm changing yes. my mark from Morrissey to 10 <laughs> <laughs> every yeah everything just saves us and always gives 10 if we're ever worried <laughs> yeah we should all do 10s across the board just so no one can know. yeah yeah man well, it's hard. Life is hard, dude. It's com- like you said earlier, James. It's complicated. Complicated. People are complicated. I love Facebook. Kind of ruined the word, like the expression. Yeah, it's complicated. They mean, are you fucking? Or? Are, what's going on between you two? That's why I don't like Twitter because it makes things seem like they're not complicated. Like yeah, things are it's cut complicated. and dry, black and white. Yeah, that's what I. That's the. That's the hypocrisy I hate of Twitter so much is that they're constantly pleading for people to be progressive. And then they're constantly adapting this conservative ideology of like it's black or white or die, like these, these right? You know what I'm saying? Right. No nuance. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. Leave us alone. You. Leave us alone. <laughs> Feels this, good to say it, right? Yeah. From the gut. Thank you for listening to this episode of Evil Man. It was another great one, wasn't it? Another great episode of Evil. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. 